Um, we're starting a sermon series called Flannel Board, Stories You Heard Wrong. Stories You Heard Wrong. So um, we're talking about Samson today. Uh, Samson, everybody say Samson. Oh, man. What a, what a character, right? So turn to Judges 14, if you have your Bibles. Judges 14. And we're going to tell his story. The book of Judges tells us that Samson was a miracle baby. A miracle baby. That he was a judge for 20 years, but before he was born, his uh, mom was barren. And we learn this in the book of Numbers. And that she couldn't have kids, right? But an angel appears to Samson's mom and promises her a miracle baby. And not only would he be a miracle baby, but he was promised by God to deliver Israel from their enemy. Imagine hearing that as a mom, that your baby is going to deliver the entire nation, right, from their enemy. So the promise that was on his life to deliver the people of Israel, it was powerful, it was present, it was felt by everybody around them, and he actually led them from 40 years in oppression to the Philistines into victory. And we're going to talk about that. So he was born with the Spirit of God on his life. Now, many of us like to think of Samson as like this extra crazy strong baby. And I thought it would be funny to illustrate to you um, something we're experiencing as foster parents. Some of you know we're foster parents and we have this little guy named Lucas. And I thought I would just show you the last two videos. These are just like the last two videos I took of this child who I don't know if he takes creatine with the milk. I don't know what's going on, but here's what I mean by this baby is kind of strong. So Sayla was telling me he kept crawling out. I didn't believe her. The crib is at the lowest possible. It's on the floor, guys. The crib is on the floor, the, the mattress. Yes, that's happening. Yes. <laughs> That's my life right there. I have to chase him. Hey. We're bowling the other day. I turned the camera on to get a picture, and this happens. I don't know if he's strong enough. Yeah, he just picks up a bowling ball. Come on. You can't tell me that's normal, guys. You can't tell me. And if you're Pam Beal or Joanne Berry, you know, changing this child... Come on. Actually, I just thought we might need, you know, we might need some next time, just time down. Oh, my gosh, this child. Okay. But he's awesome. He's a joy. Okay. So the Lord came upon Samson, though, with his crazy strength. And I want to take a different look at this because sometimes we like to think that he was just, like, incredibly buff. And, may, you know, maybe he was. But if you actually read the text slowly and carefully, like I did this last week, I noticed that the Philistines kept being shocked by his strength. They were shocked. So he might have been actually built like this. Come on. Come on. Me and you, James, I saw that. I see that hand. You know, maybe he was 130 pounds. I don't know. But they were shocked. I mean, because here's some of his examples, right? He went with his parents to Timnah to arrange this marriage, and a lion came out. Samson tore the lion in half. It, it doesn't say Samson sucker punched him. It says Samson tore it in half. How many would just raise your hand? That's crazy. Come on, right? All right, big deal. Later, he found this swarm of bees had made honey in the carcass of the lion. And so Samson made a feast at Timnah, as was the custom, and he told the Philistine men a riddle. He loved to trick people. We'll talk about that in a minute. He thought he was really smart. A wager was made on the riddle, and the Philistines prevailed upon his wife to learn the answer and disclose it to them. When they came up with the answer, Samson knew what happened, why he wanted to be the smart one, so he was ticked. He couldn't believe he had been outsmarted, so he was full of the Spirit's power, but lacking wisdom. Can everybody say this with me? Read that top line with me. While he was full of the Spirit's power, he was lacking wisdom. 
And I see this over and over as a minister. I see people who love the presence of God and you can even sense they genuinely love the Holy Spirit. And, and sometimes the Holy Spirit does come upon them, but then it's like, wait, why did you do that? Lacking wisdom. Let's continue with our story. He went out and he killed 30 Philistines to pay for this bet that he had lost and he was ticked and he had a temper. Samson went home and his father-in-law gave Samson's wife to Samson's best man. That's verse 10 through 20. So this is like days of our lives, right? When Samson returned to see his wife, he was not allowed to visit her. This again ticked him off. So he took 300 foxes, tied them in pairs, tail to tail, and fixed a torch in the pair and turned them loose in the grain fields of the Philistines so that their harvest and all their standing grain were burned. Consequently, the Philistines came and burned his wife and her father, and Samson went out and in revenge slaughtered many of them. This is Judges 15, 1 through 8. One more time, somebody say, that's crazy. So back and forth, revenge for revenge. The Philistines now come against Judah and the people of Judah bound Samson with new ropes to turn him over to the Philistines. When they came to uh, Lehi, the Philistines were camped. The spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. He snapped the ropes, grabbed the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand dudes. One more time, that's crazy. Come on. He was thirsty and he cried out to the Lord and so God opened a spring. I mean, this story is just miracle after miracle and revenge, but God's spirit coming upon him. So before we move on with the story, I want to give you a little bit of biblical context. Can I do that? Because sometimes we read these things and it's like, why? So let me just say it like this. The spirit of God came upon God's chosen servant, in this case, Samson, occasionally for specific purposes and was not present on all believers. How many of you guys realize that? The Spirit of God would come upon Samson, just like you read about Gideon, these different, come upon them. Why? For a specific purpose to redeem God's people. But because of God giving his spirit when the church was started in Acts 2, that same spirit, this is good news, guys, are given to all believers. All are empowered with God's supernatural ability to deliver people from bondage. Now, we could land the plane there, but I, I want to tell you the rest of the story, and we're going to have some takeaways from it. But I didn't want you to miss that. That God's Spirit, yes, came upon Samson in a supernatural way to do supernatural things. But that same Spirit is available for Craig, for Elijah, for Emily, for Olivia, for Ray, for Danielle. That same spirit prompts you to do exactly what I saw happening during the meet and greet. Go up and I could see some of you just prayed with somebody. Will didn't tell you to pray for anybody. I didn't tell you to pray for anybody, but a couple of you, you just felt led by what? The spirit of God. You could tell maybe something wasn't right and you just prayed. Spirit of God comes upon believers to help deliver people. We'll come back to that. Let's continue our story. Samson's weakness for Philistine women continued in Judges 16. So this revenge is going back and forth. This drama's playing out with, the, with, with both of these nations kind of at war. The weakness for women continued to create trouble with him and the Philistines. He went down to, to Gaza where he became involved with a prostitute in Judges 16.1 tells us the men of the city learned about this and they plotted to kill him. But he arose and walked off with the doorpost of the gates of the city, putting them on his shoulders and walking them to the top of the hill in Hebron. I could see Lucas doing this one day, walking in. Papa Mark, I don't know if these gates, these doors need fixed. I'm just going to carry these over to Ace Hardware. Right? But this is what Samson does. He's like, you know what? That's a problem. I want to make a point that Israel is more victorious. I want to make a point that our God is God. And, and he picks up these gates and he carries them to the top of the hill. Now, some theologians will tell you that was actually symbolism for Jesus, who takes the gates, the authority, and he takes it upon his shoulders. Come on, right? That's right. 
and he walks up the hill of Calvary and wins your victory. Now you say, well, is Jesus like Samson? In some ways, he, Jesus takes on sin. Oh man, I'm getting ahead of myself. Here we go. Let's get back to the story. So this scene is playing out this, and the Philistines are getting sick and tired, right? Of Samson coming up and messing up their plans. So they notice Samson's weakness for women. They notice Samson's weakness for women. So they enlist the help of a woman named Delilah. The Philistines say, well, look, we got to use this weakness for beautiful women. We got to use that weakness against them. And he found Delilah. And he found Delilah. It's coming. I'm going to wait for it. It's going to be worth it. Crank it up, Will. Crank it up. We're short staffed today, so we're all. Anybody heard this song? Come on, all the millennials. Everybody just shake your head. Delilah's no good, y'all. All the women, turn around and find a man. Just say, she's no good. Come on. Let's play it through the chorus, too, just for fun. Sing it if you know it. Oh, what you do to me. Oh, you guys know this. Oh, what you do to me. The white, plain white tees. Oh, what you do to me. All right, that's good. You guys are going to leave church. Oh, what you do to me. And then your wife's going to be like, yeah, that psycho chick's going to take you down. <laughs> so you're like, oh, no, no. She's about to ruin you. Okay. So Samson, this player, he leaves home again. And he gets in trouble with a Philistine woman from the Valley of Sorek. Now, by the way, that should tell you something right there. Where are you going? To the Valley of Sorek. By Saradon, Lord of the Rings, pit of fire. Okay. The Philistines enlisted her by bribery to find out the source of his strength. She kept pestering him, so he told her that if they bound him with seven fresh bowstrings, that he would be as weak as other men. So she bound him and cried, The Philistines are upon you. And he easily broke the bowstrings in response to her continued questions. He kept lying to her about the secret of his strength. In succession, she bound him with new ropes, verse 11 says. Seven locks of his hair woven together and attached them to a loom. Verse 13, finally, finally, she wore him down on the fourth time and he told her the truth. If someone shaves my head and breaks my Nazarite vow, all my strength will be gone. So while Samson slept with his head on her lap, she called a barber who shaved his hair. This time when she cried out, the Philistines are upon you, the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him to Gaza. Everybody say, what? This is the strongest, smartest dude in all the land, and a woman got the best of him. Hey there, Delilah. Oh, what you do to me. Right? How many guys and girls, by the way, how many men and women, how many great people have fallen in this way? How many times do we have to hear a story? Right? How many times do we have to hear of uh, a minister or a great Christian CEO or a Carl Lentz or whatever, you fill in the name, you fill in the name. And you say, what? And you just think, how did that happen? I used to tell the teens when I was a youth pastor here, well, a lot of times it begins with little sins. Satan tempts you to think you're smarter than you are and you're stronger than you are and that you can get away with a little and then soon it's more and then soon it's more and then soon it's a lot. Paul says it like this, sin, when it's full grown, leads to death. 
So how is this man who could tear apart a lion, kill a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey, rip city gates out and walk them back to his town, he's unstoppable. How is he taken down from a woman? Well, let's take some life lessons. How many say it's smart to get some life lessons from the Bible, right? By the way, he tried to make amends. <laughs> this is just for fun. All you men out there, Brandon, I see you. He tried to make amends by bringing her a goat, and it didn't work. Side note, if you really blow it with a girl, don't bring her a goat. Try flowers. Swipe left. Come on, somebody. Right? Okay, I'll, I'll leave on. Somebody like, everybody over 40 is like, swipe left. All right. Judges 16 tells us again that he is tricked and he's captured. You know, I actually do need a volunteer. So, Brandon, I'm already looking at you, bro. And you even got the long hair. I did not plan that, but come on down, Brandon. Come on down. I know you'd help me out. Give Brandon a hand. Now, Brandon, you actually, you do look like you have been working out. So maybe you just break this, right? I'm going to wrap this around you. All right? Thank you for helping me out. And just oh, kind of help, help me tie you. Help me tie you, okay? Help me. Tie help you. me. Hey there, Delilah. I'm a psycho taking on. Okay. okay. All right, step forward. All right. All right, so she tells him, look. Again, thank you. High five. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, All right. <laughs> Sometimes I think my jokes are really funny. I'm sorry. All right. So she ties him up. And over and over, you know, he's messing with her because he thinks he's so smart. And on the last time, he gives in and he does tell her, look, if you cut my hair, which we won't do. I've got a pair of scissors. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what happened to me? Oh, it's Pastor Jordan. Cut my hair. All right. Um, if you cut my hair, it's my Nazarite vow. And, and I can't believe, but he just, he just, in foolishness, right? First of all, he shouldn't even be with her. Come on. Let's back way up. He shouldn't have even left home. Because it says he traveled to a faraway land. By the way, the more sin takes you, the less you value your spiritual fathers and mentors. I don't know who that was for. Let me say that again. The further sin takes you, the less you value your moms and dads in your life. Right? So he goes away from home and he... This is, this is the fourth or fifth that the Bible tells us. Maybe there's more, prostitute women. And he finds himself bound. And this time, can't get out. And I want to I won't keep you here all day, I promise. I want to tell, tell you this. He says, I'll shake myself free. But you know, you cannot shake yourself free. And this is the lie that Satan comes at you with. Look within. But the Bible says, look up for your health, for your help. The world will tell you you are strong by yourself. You're a self-made man. But the Bible will tell you to look up and ask for help and admit your weakness. The enemy used Delilah to seduce him and then to tie him up. And then what happened next, right? They, they bound him up, they, they plucked out his eyes. And even if you deceive someone, listen to this. Even if you deceive everyone around you, know that you are not deceiving God. I know this is a challenging message today, but I know, I know that I know the Lord wanted to share this. Even if you deceive everyone around you, you're not deceiving God. In fact, when you believe you're deceiving God... You need to know that in reality, Satan has deceived you. Sin will make you bound and make you blind. And here's the big thing I really don't want you to forget today. If you don't restrain yourself, you will be restrained. Thank you, Brandon. You may be seated, brother. Don't try to break it off. There you go. Just give him a hand, guys. You just drop it there. Sin will cause you to be blind, to leave home. 
to not value your spiritual home, to um, leave a, a church and only talk negative about it, right? To, to leave a church and maybe say, oh man, let me list to you the one, and, 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 and maybe there's like 999 things they did to serve you and to cover you and tell you the truth, right? Sin causes you to say, well, I don't need home. I don't need spiritual moms and dads in my life. I don't need, and I had a beautiful conversation with a friend yesterday, and he was talking about just his love of, uh, his desire to have a mentor and, and to have a, a spiritual dad in his life. And I'm like, man, that is the wisest thing you can do. And that's what we're talking about today is wisdom. Wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. Samson's sexual sin and his pride, more so, that's the root, made him weak and blind. It will make you blind to your problems, blind to the hurt that you cause to others, and miss out on what God has for you. And you need to know that God is the only one that can set you free and save you from your sin. 1 Chronicles 16, 11, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. And again, the, the world will tell you to look within. Look within. Believe, just believe in yourself. Just take this, you know, self-motivation course. And some of those are helpful and I get it. But man, it's not about looking within. It's about looking to who Jesus is and letting him make you into the person that he destined you to be. Amen? Now, I want to parallel this with something that maybe you hadn't thought of. I know I hadn't thought of this with the story of Samson until this last week. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 15. Matthew 15. It's not going to be on the screen, but you can open the Bible app or the actual uh, paper Bible in your hands, whatever you got. Turn to Matthew 15. And as you're turning there, I want to let you know that this pride thing... It goes both ways. Pride can bind you in the heart of a religious person or an agnostic. Let me say that again. Pride can deceive you and make you all bound up whether you're religious or not. Everybody say religious or not. Then some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. We're starting with verse 1 of Matthew 15. They came to Jerusalem, or came to Jesus from Jerusalem, and they said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. All right, now let me, can, I just, can I just embellish this a little bit? Can I just give you a little PJV? Here's how they came up. I don't understand why your believers don't wash their hands. They don't do what I do. My life group is more spiritual than yours. I'm never, none of you have said that. I'm just saying. Right? This is how they're thinking. Jesus replied, well, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Like, honor your mother and father. Everybody say, oh, snap. Anyone who curses their mother or father is to be put to death. Oh, my gosh. Because look. You say, if anyone declares that what might be used to help their mother and father is devoted to God, aren't they to honor and their mother and father with it? You nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. Israel was, or Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you saying, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are mere human rules. Let me, let me cut in here and tell you what was going on here. They actually were telling people not to take care of their moms and dads, but to bring all of their money to, to the church to, and thereby to them. They're saying, oh, don't, don't worry about that whole like taking care of your mom as, she, as she's getting in her old age. You just need to bring those funds just right here. And their motives of their heart were wrong and twisted. And so Jesus literally tells them, that kind of thinking and that kind of hypocrisy deserves death. Jesus called to the crowd and said, listen, understand what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. Again, he says this because they are saying, you got to wash your hands. If there's a little bit of dirt on your hands, you are defiled morally. 
And so Jesus tells them, it's not what goes into the mouth, but what comes out of the mouth. Then the disciples said, don't you know that the Pharisees were offended? (laughs) Jesus, you are offending them. Jesus, these are important people. Right? Jesus, these are our longstanding leaders. You are not allowed to offend them. Aren't you glad Jesus did some offending? Because <laughs> they were messed up. Even though they had, they, they, they looked good on the outside, they, they, they had their robes all correct, and they had all 600 plus laws memorized, and they followed them to a T. But in their hearts, they had greed, and they had jealousy, they had envy, they had pride. Right? And look what he says. I love that. I love this. He says, the blind, leave them. They're blind guides. If the blind are leading the blind, both fall into a pit. Doesn't that sound like Samson? Blind. Peter said, explain this to us. Now, this is going to sound kind of harsh, but y'all, this is just Jesus. He says, are you still so dull? (laughs) Can you imagine if I said that from the pulpit? Are you still so dull? I'm not saying that to you. I saw that look, Elijah. I I was not saying that. Dr. Harnett, I was not, this whole region right here, I was not calling you dolls, just reading scripture. Here we go. Jesus said, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth and goes into the stomach and then out of the body, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. The heart. Everybody say the heart. You see, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander. These are the things that defile someone. Eating with unwashed hands, that doesn't defile them. He's making it clear, and I say this often here in the sermons, right, that what God cares most about is your heart. Your heart. And guys, there are going to be times when you don't wash your hands. You, you, you mess up. You miss a rule. You miss something. Or maybe you're, you're late to something and you, you, whatever. You make, but in that moment, if you say, oh, man, I'm so sorry. My heart was in the right place. I didn't mean to do that. Please forgive me. See, the heart, come on. The heart. Everybody say the heart. Jesus sees your heart. And if we go back to Samson's story, God knew his heart. His heart was that he thought he was smarter than everybody else. He gave this riddles. And then he'd have a temper if someone found out the riddle or uh, a woman called him out on it. Turn to Ephesians 5. We're going to come back to Samson's story in just a moment. But turn to Ephesians 5. I want you to write down, if you're taking notes, to read Ephesians 5 later. I, I, I took it out of the sermon for the sake of time, but... I want to read to you what's right before Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. So just go back one chapter, Ephesians 4, 22. Look what, look what Apostle Paul says. This is, by the way, this is right on the heels of the Apostle Paul saying, Jesus gave these fivefold ministry to the church to teach you, to equip you, until we all become unified, Right? until we all become unified in looking more like Jesus. He says, Jesus has given you apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors. These, these fivefold gifts are to help you. And then he gives some really practical instruction. He says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, the, the corrupt, deceitful desires. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Everybody put your hand on your, on your temples for a minute while I read this. Renewed in the spirit of your minds, put on the new self, listen to this, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness. All right, look up here for a minute. I, I, I know I teach this often, but it's, it could be said every week. You have to hear this. This is what the gospel does, is Jesus gives you his righteousness. It's not your righteousness, not your goodness, And I was thinking about this after I typed it. I'm like, you know what everybody's doing in today's society? They want to make sure everyone knows they're one of the good guys. I want you to think about this. How often do you turn on the media and pretty much any channel at any point is making sure you know 
they're bad and I'm good. Come on, think about it. And, and we all have this propensity to do this. Grown adults act like children often. Come on, somebody give me an amen. Don't nudge your spouse right now. I saw that right there, Ray. No, I'm just kidding. You did it. I'm totally kidding. Grown adults, grown adults, we have this desire to make sure you know I'm one of the good guys. And sometimes people do this in subtle ways as if to ratchet themselves in, the in the conversation. How many just give me a nod if you're willing to let God speak to you right now? Because right now, if you're going, oh, I know somebody like that. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about you. <laughs> you see? You see how subtle that was? Some of you are like, oh, yeah, I know a guy like that. No, 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 no. We're not talking about that guy. We're not talking about Becky from Bible study. We're talking about you. Because maybe you do this. Maybe you make sure whoever you're talking to knows that you are pretty darn smart. That you really got it together. Don't say amen to that, Mick. That was inappropriate. <laughs> that was God correcting you. <laughs> I told someone this last night at our, at our house is this. I think what God likes the most is honesty. You know? You know what makes God really mad? When we pretend to be somebody we're not. When we push our shoulders back and we put our chin up and we're unwilling to admit our weak areas, our sin, the places we're vulnerable and broken. I said this two months ago and some of you cried through a bit of laughter when I said some of, some of us were like a dumpster fire, right? Can I say this? Don't miss this. You don't save yourself. God saves you. Jesus broke the bonds of sin so you could be free from it. Now, I had this illustration in my mind for a week and a half. And Brandon, I need you to come back up one more time because on the way here, I'm sorry, on the way here, God gave me a beautiful illustration. And I need one more helper. Courtney, can you help me out, brother? All right. So what you're going to do, man, you're going to climb back in here. And we're going to hold this up, but we're going to make it kind of loose. We're going to make it loose. Yeah. All right. All right, I want you to slip your hands up through there and just raise them up like a victory, like you just won the Olympics. All right. I, 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 if, if I'm on, as I was thinking about this, I pictured I was driving here and I was praying and I said, God, like I do every Sunday, Lord, make it real, make it real, speak today. And I felt like the Lord said, you know that line, like if you don't restrain yourself, they'll be restrained. He's like, I feel like the Lord said, make sure they know I give them rules because I love them. You see, Holy Spirit put some boundaries, but you're free in the boundary. I love what my mom said like this one time. She was teaching, I think, a Sunday school, and she, it was just like a God moment. She used the margins of the paper. I was like, yeah, there's lines here, but God gives you a safety. He's keeping you safe. He's not making you bound up. See, a lot of times, thank you, you can be seated. A lot of times... You may have gone to church and you're thinking that a pastor's job is the fun police. In fact, let's be honest. Have you ever met a Christian? They thought their job was to be the fun police. Come on, like, you know you're not allowed to do that. Right? I mean, some, let's be honest. Some of you, that's why you're here. Some of you have told me that. You know? A pastor or a life group leader or a deacon told you, look, you know if your hair is past seven inches, you are evil. And if you play that song backwards, it actually says this. I'm just, sorry, I went full 90s on you on that one. 
right? Come on. Anybody ever been there? Sometimes we get carried away with the rules, right? And I know a lot of times in the heart of, of the leader or the pastor is trying to help you. I got a funny story across my mind. Can I just tell you real quick? Anybody, was anybody in youth group in the days when you burned the CDs? Come on. Anybody? I remember I put in my boys to men. <laughs> and then I remember a week later I regretted it. Regretted. Come on. How about Bodyguard soundtrack? You know, I was a weirdo. I was a, I was a white pastor's kid. Listen, my first album, I bought Bodyguard soundtrack. Whitney Houston, anybody? Whitney Houston fans? Come on. Nobody? Wow, that went over like a dead balloon. That was great. I remember, my, I remember my youth pastor would be like, if it's not a Christian album, it goes into the fire. Right? And it was like, it was like the ring of Mordor. It was like, ah. And I was like, I'm free. And then I'm like, actually, I'm sad. I really like one, repeat steps, one, two, three. I'm like, no, man, this, this song makes me think of Danielle. Like, I love her. Okay, anyway. Some of you guys are getting free right now. Seriously, some of you guys didn't realize a love song is not evil. <laughs> okay, anyway, some of you, that's a sermon for another day. Let's get back on my notes. Wisdom is connected to integrity. Wisdom is connected to integrity. I've been reading Proverbs with my daughters uh, in, the, in the last number of mornings for about the last month. And uh, as we read them, it's amazing how wisdom personifies, uh, or I'm sorry, how wisdom is personified. So at first, the writer personifies the fool, right? Or I'm sorry, the, the, uh, the foolish voice as calling out. He actually uses the illustration of a prostitute who calls out loudly, come join me, right? And the fool takes her calling and, and goes and, and it says that there's, there's many, it's like a graveyard wherever she goes. There's a, a line of people who have died at her hands. And, he, and the, the writer, again, is personifying sin and the temptation to believe that you can handle sin. And I want to tell you, like Samson, you can't handle sin. You have to admit it, and let Jesus break it. Let me say it again. You can't handle sin. If you don't let the Holy Spirit restrain you, you will be restrained. Wisdom is connected to integrity. Now, this is where the story gets great. Turn to Judges 16, verse 23. I'm putting the whole thing in like 20, 30 minutes, so... Judges 16, verse 23. The rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer this great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, to celebrate, saying, Our God delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, and the one who laid waste to our land and multiplied our slain. When they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring Samson out to entertain us. So when they called Samson out of the prison... He performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson stead, said to the servant nearby, put me where I can feel both pillars that support the temple. Everybody say, uh-oh. Right? And the servant was stupid enough. He's like, okay. <laughs> I don't know if he talked like that, but I might assume he did. Now the temple was crowded with men and women, all the rulers. I love this. Oh, you, some of you guys are about to get a revelation bomb. Everybody say, all the rulers. Somebody say, all the Philistines. Somebody say, all the enemy. All the enemy, listen, was stupid enough to stand on the same temple roof. So it's like a roof party, right? The music's playing. Some, some DJ's over there next to some camels. I don't know. They're partying. Was there camels? I don't know. Probably wasn't. Probably was camels. Probably wasn't a DJ. Samson said this, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Praise God. Strengthen me once more with one blow to get revenge for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the central pillars from which the temple stood, bracing himself 
against them. His right hand on one, his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. He pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. He killed more when he died than when he lived. Listen, I'm about to jump off the stage. Listen, Samson dies for the victory of all of Israel. This is the gospel. When Jesus died, he defeated the entire army all at once. With his death was the death of all of your enemy. Samson took it. He stretched out his hands. Come on, that's not an accident that the Spirit of God puts in there. This is the type of Christ where Samson, just like Jesus, come on, was tortured, was mocked, was spit upon, was ridiculed, and was, right, put out in front of everybody to see. And he said, God, strengthen me one last time that I can kill all of these people at once. And in their pride, they put him there. In their stupidity, they put him by the support beam. Come on, somebody say, that's dumb. I was reading this and I was like, how dumb. This guy's ripping out city gates. And they're like, where should we put him? Over there by the support beam. That's a good idea. No, put him over there by the Kool-Aid, you know. But they didn't. They put him by the support beam because in their foolishness, right, in their pride, they're not, they just, they just want to mock him. And God uses this picture as a picture of what Jesus does on the cross for you. God miraculously saves us. We don't save ourselves. All those people of Israel, they thought, man, our heroes defeated. They all thought, I can't believe it. Samson, the one, he's our legend. He is our hero. You have to realize this is just like Greek mythology when you've got like a Hercules or whatever. That's picture. That's what they thought of as Samson. That is our dude. Like if the armies went out to fight and everybody sent their greatest warrior, it's Samson. And they've got him strapped up, chained down, and they thought they lost. <laughs> I was rereading this. Can you imagine being Israel and maybe you're on a hill nearby and you're watching this and you're just like, oh can't believe and you're sad and suddenly you see the whole party that what you be looking at did you just see there's our entire enemy all of its rulers defeated at once jesus defeated all of your sin at once one time and his death was the death of your enemy and Satan thought he had won. Satan thought when Jesus took his last breath that he won. And all the while, Jesus is going, oh, no, it's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. Amen? Amen. Yes. I want you to stand up to your feet. I want to close with a few more thoughts, and we're going to pray together. Like Samson if we don't restrain ourselves and let God put some boundaries on us, we will be restrained. Your pastor, your life group leader, they're not the fun police. If they look you in the eye one-on-one -on -one and tell you something hard to hear, it's because they love you. If they, let me say that again. If your life group leader, if a deacon calls you, if a pastor calls you or tells you something, hey, you know what, I miss this or I miss the time when you used to serve or used to do this and you just, you're just different now and I just see you maybe, or hey, man, you're harsh to your wife. I don't know if you realize, but you're really rude to your spouse. You say, who are you to, who are you to say that? You can get offended or you can say, wait a minute, maybe God is helping you. Maybe God is saying, hey, there, there's something on you that doesn't belong there. Amen? You see, part of the Christian sanctification, listen to this, is self-denial. It might not be a popular message today, but you know, Jesus said you got to deny yourself 
and pick up your cross and follow me. And maybe if you're listening online or maybe you're here today and maybe the, the, the pastors or the speakers or teachers you follow, if, it's, if all of it is only great news for you and that God's gonna fulfill all your dreams and that every day is gonna be great, you might wanna delete and unsubscribe. Because the Christian life, a lot of it is denying yourself because you know that the fulfillment of your joy is not here in this earth, it's there and then. Christ is making you more like himself. And guys, this idea of self-denial, of picking up your cross, it's in every area of your life. We're not just talking about sexual sin today, we're talking about just sin. The very concept of, no, I'm gonna get what I want when I want it. If you're unwilling to restrain, and this can happen with, with finances, again, you can, you can feel the Spirit of God on a Sunday morning and be lacking wisdom, and so you're bound. Can I say it again? You can come every Sunday. You can know all the songs. You can feel the Spirit of God as Will is leading the team. And you can even go to a life group. You can even do discipleship every week. But if there are times when the Holy Spirit says, hey, don't spend that money. I want you to save that. And you say, no, it's my money. And you're, un see, what, see what I'm saying? You're unwilling to show restraint. Restraint, self-denial is part of following Jesus. And I love you enough to tell you, as a Christian, you don't always get what you want. There are times when the Holy Spirit says, I've got something better. Right? That's the thing. Has anybody ever seen that great picture? Goes around on social media every now and then of Jesus. He's asking for this like little teddy bear and he's actually got this really big teddy bear for the little girl behind his back. Anybody have seen that? Yeah. So often, guys, when God is asking you for a little restraint and to let him lead that, it's because he's got something amazing in store for you. And how often do we miss out on it because we're unwilling to let him restrain our decisions? Again, this is in every facet of your life. This is not just your relationships, your finances, all kinds of things. God is speaking today. You just bow your heads. If today you're here and you've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, I wanna give you that chance right now. It's possible even that you're religious. And like the Pharisees, you feel like, well, actually, no, I've got it all together. But if you've never come to Jesus and said, Lord, I have sin that makes me selfish. I have sin that ruins friendships and relationships. I have selfishness, I have greed, I, I have racism. I have people that I look at that looks different than me or dresses different than me, and I just judge them. I put them into a box. I need forgiveness. I need you to wash me clean and make me your child today. I need to be renewed in my mind. I need something to happen on the inside of me that changes me because I don't want to live like this anymore. I know I need forgiveness. I know I need God to be my father. I know I need Jesus to be my savior. If that's you, would you raise your hand nice and high? I'm not gonna call you forward. I'm gonna pray with you right where you are. Now for the rest of us, I just wanna pray a prayer. But I first I feel like led to ask for, I guess, admission. And guess what, I'm not, you know, sometimes I'm looking around so I can pray with you later or whatever, but I'm, I'm not gonna do that either right now. I'm gonna ask everybody to bow your head, everybody. And I want you to raise your hand nice and high just, as, just between you and God. If you would admit right now that lately 
the Holy Spirit has been trying to restrain you and you've been unwilling to let him restrain you. Raise your hand. I'm not looking, nobody's looking. This is you and Jesus. Can we do this? Can we give a collective plea for forgiveness? Because God can wash you clean right now. God can give you a a fresh start, a, a brand new clean slate. I want us all to pray this. Dear Father, forgive me for having pride in my heart and believing I deserve sin, that I deserve to get what I want, when I want. Whatever area of my life, Father, you know what it is. I know what it is. Wash me clean of that right now. One more time, say, wash me clean of that right now. Holy Spirit, I invite you to teach me because I want to look more like you, Jesus. When people see me, I want them to see you, your righteousness, your strength, your purity. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God is so good. Isn't God so good? Turn to somebody next to you and say, God is awesome, and you are too. Have a great 4th of July. May the 4th and the 5th be with you.